As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know that question about my defense. Do you hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to in I, I'm gonna it, it's a combo edition with Marcus Thompson of the Warriors uh, plus minus and Warriors all eighty two. I'm rapping Warriors all eighty two in this because I've been slacking lately. I've been getting killed, Marcus. Man, uh, you know people just they just adore your voice and they need you in their life. So you just kind of got to stop depriving people of what they need. You as well. I mean, they want you on. I mean, they've been wondering where both of us are. Uh, I think it's more just the fan base is a little fired up after some early season wins. And and we're going to get to the loss last night to stunt momentum. But they were 4-0 with the best net rating in the league. And, and we're up 19 on the Grizzlies yesterday. Really should be 5-0. and I think it's more just there's a lot of energy around this team. Yeah, a lot, it was a lot of feel-good energy, too. And then it all disappeared. Last night, it felt like everybody was like, oh, this team is done. They're done. They're terrible. Jordan Poole's done. It disappeared the moment Kenny Atkinson disappeared. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) No, um, Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, I reported this morning, but uh, he injured his leg in a workout. He was not on the bench last night, which I don't think many people noticed, uh, which is a surprise because he's usually jumping off the bench and and calling signals and everything. Uh, And he's not going to be on the bench for just – I don't know how much time indefinitely, essentially, uh, as this leg injury heals. It's not like a player type. You know, if you get a serious leg injury, you're not going to be out until you're just fully healthy. I mean, once you can kind of limp around on the bench, you should be back out there. So I don't think it'll be some crazy long-term thing. But uh, that is, I guess, the news of the morning. When's the last time you you heard an assistant coach on the injury list, on the injury report? Remember when Nate McMillan, like, tore his Achilles at one point? I think it was in Portland, maybe. Um, maybe Indiana. Could have been. But I remember Nate McMillan tearing his Achilles. And then also, do you remember, uh, it was the tournament. Remember R.J. Hunter, uh, who the Celtics drafted? His dad was his coach in college. Did he tear his ACL or something? I think it was Achilles because I remember he was on a scooter on the sideline. Remember he was wearing like a cast? 
and he fell during the celebration of RJ. RJ hit a game winner or something, and his dad felt fall over. It was like, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe Atkinson will be out there with the scooter. I mean, look, we both know Kenny Atkinson goes hard in workouts. We've seen him, like, trying to lock up Clay Thompson in the post, chasing Steph Curry off down screens. Don't let me find out. Don't let me find out he was trying to guard Gary Payton a second and got crossed, and now he's done. Ooh-wee. But, anyway, that's kind of news of the morning. Broader scope. I mean, look, I haven't done a Warriors All-82. This is the first one in three games. We're going to call this one also in 82. They're 4-1. I mean, a lot of good stuff happening for them. But, you, you know, we think a lot about the last game, the previous game. And some flaws were shown, including, I mean, you wrote about it off the game. But Steph Curry hasn't scored in the last three fourth quarters, and including overtime yesterday. over 11 shooting. What did you find and what was your, kind of your takeaway? Well, initially, you know, the strength in numbers thing was cranking, right? And it was like, eh. It's all right if Steph doesn't score because they were winning. Uh, but, yeah, that works against Oklahoma City, maybe against Sacramento. But when they're playing good teams, especially teams they've played before and kind of know their system, they just can't afford for Steph to not be a factor offensively and not as a decoy, but as a weapon. So, you know, I, I think that became, like, uh, evidently clear. And... Like, he's playing a fewer amount of minutes in the fourth quarter. Like, not because of blowout either, just because they're getting them in a bit late in a couple of these games. He's getting fewer cracks at it. Like, out of those 11 shots, nine or threes, he's got this, all right, I haven't played in a while. Let me come in and make a big bang real quick and try to end the game. It kind of backfired against him. I mean, I still think, I mean, they're fine. I think they wanted that game more. Was he iced last night by his own head coach, Steve Kerr? Yeah, he gets iced regularly by by Steve Kerr, but it's also him. I would have long ago taken him out like late third quarter. Three minutes left in the third and then bring him back. Like go nine and nine. Bring him back like nine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But Steph wants the full quarter, right? Like he's he's a part of that plan. So that's part of his choice. So he kind of ices himself a little bit on that. But I do think they kind of get gassed in their own sauce of, you know, strength in numbers, strength in numbers. And the truth is, man, the NBA, the good games, the good teams against good defenses, it comes down to your stars. It's a difficult to, oh, it's all good. It doesn't matter. Otto Porter hit a few threes. Andrew Wiggins is hooping. And then when you need to turn to Steph, they kind of got to develop that rhythm, develop that pattern, understand how that works. So when they get to a game, like against Memphis, they know what to do. They understand how to get him shots instead of him saying, I haven't gotten the ball in a while. Let me check it for 28. And it doesn't work out. So feels like a pretty natural part of the process, though. It's it's early. I don't mind his sub pattern because, like you said, he prefers it. This is what his routine has always been. He loves to try to close the first and third on flurries, particularly the third, right? That's how many games really in the last three minutes of the third quarter has he basically turned into a win over his career and I think the Warriors like to uh, have a, a firm second unit to open a quarter right they, they they like to give find a unit that they like back in the David West you know Andre Iguodala days they had that like older second unit that just completely changed the team's identity for the first six minutes of the quarter I think they like that 
And look, at Steph's age, I think he should be playing in the regular season, particularly game five of the regular season. They should try to keep him around 34, 35, 36 minutes. I ended up playing 41 last night because it was an overtime. What I didn't get sub-pattern last night is you call a timeout with 6.56 left. You know, Steve Kerr's trying to extend his rest, get him that extra, I guess, 56 seconds, essentially. You know he was planning to bring him back at 6. But that ends up, because of uh, of no whistle, ends up being 432. And that that's when it becomes just way too long. But the truth is, they survived those minutes. Uh, you know, it was tied at 656 when he called timeout. It was tied when Steph came in at 432. So that wasn't the reason for the loss. I think it's risky to do that. And then on the flip side, the problem right now is, you know, you mentioned the strength in numbers. One guy is just not playing well, Jordan Poole. I mean, like we could, should probably have a whole segment on him because like that is where the weakness is right now. What he showed in preseason and in Staples Center opening night. Remember that I think they were down two entering the fourth quarter, and Steph sat for six minutes, and Steph came back, and they were up like six because Jordan Poole went on a flurry. And that night we talked post game. We did a Warriors All eighty two post game and talked Back about we used to do such things. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and one of our segments was like, look, they found a lineup to survive without Steph Curry because they found a player to, you know, keep them afloat. And that was the guy we thought we saw late last season. We saw him preseason when he's pulling up for 28, but actually hitting 28 footers. And even in that first game, and it just hasn't been there four out of the last five games. He's clearly pressing. The physicality's getting to him a bit. I think it's a bit mental, but look, seven of 31 from three through five games was like 24%, 17 turnovers, 20 assists. It just, he's been detrimental. And like they're losing those non Steph minutes so bad. And they really lost last night because. Jordan Poole just really struggled in those minutes. The worst part about that is not that he's struggling. It's that he's struggling while being reckless. Like, he's not under control. He's just doing stuff that has doesn't have much rhyme or reason. And in between, he's making, like, a couple of great plays, and it's almost kind of feeding him to keep doing this stuff, right? There's a couple times where he made a nice drive and a nice dump off, and it's like, all right. Then he's and like, then, well, time for the 28th. Yeah, then he's like, yeah, now I'm rolling, so let's go with the ill-advised shot. He, they need to get him under control. To me, that's the the bigger thing. More, you know, He's obviously one of these youngsters who, if he's missing shots, it kind of messes up a bit of everything. Like he's doing four and five crossovers on moves where it's like, yo, do the first one, two, take the simple shot, and – I do think that's just a matter of him learning the role. He's out of control a lot. That's where it's wild. And he's when he's out of control, you're not getting the benefit of some of these other guys. What what I think you're going to start seeing is Andre as the point. Well, and not only that, them walking the ball down and Steve Kerr going like, elbow, elbow. Yeah, yeah like, telling him know, what the like, play is. Yeah. yeah. And Steve Kerr said that last night. He blamed some of the second unit struggles on himself, saying, I need to get them into sets. He's letting them play a little bit too random. And when you let Jordan Poole play random, he's going to play random. He's going to be random. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's going to pull at any point. You know, look, it's give and take because, uh, you know, in the preseason, I'm sure we can go back and re-listen to some of our podcasts. We're talking about, like, finally Steve Kerr is letting Jordan Poole do what Steve Kerr should have. And, you know, how many conversations did we have of, like, why does he always want a true point guard out there? Why do you put Nico Manning out there with Jordan Poole last year? You know, why doesn't he let him have the reins? Well, Why look, does he love Brad Wanamaker so much? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Brad Bradley. But, you know, this is, I guess, Steve Kerr's, like, old-school hoops concern is, like, playing out in these few games, which is, like, you know. Kerr loved this. Kerr's like, see, this is a- – 
Did you see that outlet pass? This is what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I guess the ironic part about all this is like Jordan Poole earned Steve Kerr's trust last season by playing very controlled, by playing non-risky. I mean, if you go and look back when he got back in the bubble, I remember he had something like 21 assists and like two turnovers over like a seven-game stretch because it was just like safe pass, like catch and, you know, remember point five, the big thing with him, which is like catch and make a decision in point five, whether it's to pass it off, to make a quick drive, to take the shot. There wasn't dancing. There wasn't trying to create. I mean, how many of his turnovers are just, you know, he's winding into the lane and he's here and he's there and somebody's knocking it off his leg out of bounds this is also the jordan pool we all called for right like let him go i think you gotta let him go to you have to because if you don't who do you got in that second unit you need jordan pool to play well in that second unit uh we've already seen what wiggins is gonna do if he's leading the second unit and wiggins is actually better with steph right he kind of it he has the the space to work when Steph's on the court. He can get the little guy on him, put Steph on the opposite end, and now he, he's got room to work. They just got to get Jordan Poole together. And that's why, to me, this is actually kind of good. You know, Jordan Poole is a very confident dude. He could not listen as, as he, much as he should. He could get in his, you know, get in his own way. And he needs these kind of, these disastrous performances to, <laughs> to humble him a bit right and get him back on track and that's what that's helpful for him he he clearly needs it some of these plays he's make where he's got a i mean he threw the outlet pass and he was raising his hand saying my bad before it even landed like it was clearly a terrible decision and he knew it as soon as he released it so that 28 whatever quick three he took was kind of the beginning of the end for them right like that that rush shot just started the spiral of struggle and he's got to look at that and be humbled by it and listen to Andre Iguodala and get more under control but they do need him the reason he's such a revelation because they literally don't have another playmaker and Jordan Poole was not on the floor at the end of the game and they had no one else who could take the ball from the wing into a good shot outside of Steph Uh, it was just like they always hope 78 passes get the job done but sometimes the defense is just good and you gotta beat your man they just don't have dudes who can do that so Jordan Poole is a guy who can do that so they just gotta get him to that level but yeah he he, if he's a part of he just gotta get under control he that'll solve half his problems if he just gets under control knows what he's doing and that's where you you're gonna see Steve Kerr call his sets Steve Kerr's gonna be Peyton Manning out there right like Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> that would be funny. They're going to actually run sets. It would be funny, huh? What did you think of uh, the rotation? It, uh, it was. It's weird who falls in and out. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing about Poole before we kind of move on. Since he's entered the league, has not been a very accurate three-point shooter. You know, 27% as a rookie. Uh, you know, it got better later in that season, and he jumped it up. But 27% as a rookie. Last year, 35%, which is, I think at least where you want him to sit. He was 97 of 276 last year, 35%. I think that's 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 fine. Right now, obviously, 7 of 31, 22%. But I just don't think he's an accurate enough three-point shooter to just take Steph Curry heat checks when he's not hot. And maybe that's something he needed to learn early this season. You know, he would five air balls and, you know, plenty of other just like chucks that are like, dude, that wasn't close. I love him as a catch-and-shoot guy in rhythm. And, you know, even some off the dribble stuff, particularly if he gets going, if it's one of those nights where he's three of five from three, it's like, all right, I guess, you know, take this one. But I think 
that needs to be cut from his game. Just the random 28-footer when he's, you know, cold. When he, like you said, he makes one layup and he's like, all right, next time I'm pulling it. Like, you're just not hot from three. Go nah, to the rim more. he shouldn't more. be taking him at all. He just shouldn't be taking him at all. He should be straight line driving to the rim. He's really good when he straight line drives to the rim because he sees the seam. He's got a really quick first step. Great finish. Like, he's showing a lot of craft around the rim, right, left. Where I don't like him is just chucking threes or like winding drives where he's really like, you know, he's searching for the lane. Like you either got it or you don't. That's the point five stuff. Move off the ball if you don't. And just like, you know, just take safer threes. Like I said, they better hope he's a 35% three-point shooter. Meanwhile, Steph Curry is like, if he's 35% for a month, it's like a nightmare month. I mean, there's just such a big difference. So he's got a nice shot. His shot selection is so poor sometimes. Yeah, he, well, it's, it's a so nice shot, terrible. but it's when it's rushed, it's not though. When it's like, I feel like if you just show, you don't even show me if it went in or not. You just show me like how he got to the shot. I could tell you if it's likely going in or not. You know what I mean? When it's just like pulled. Anyway, what were you asking about the rotation? I was just curious. Like you know, it feels like either Bielitsa or Porter, but never both, and. It feels like you're. We're still seeing multiple non-shooters on the court, which I don't know if that actually helps the case when you're asking Pool to create. It almost feeds the go make go make it happen. This is just this is all you. It does. It does. Well, I mean, look, we can go kind of case by case. Kavon Looney has not looked good early in the season. The Kavon Looney minutes overall have not, you know, generally, I, I don't know what they were last night. I actually think they were much better. So they were, those starters were minus nine entering last night. I bet they're near a, a kind of net even. But how many moments this season has it been Kavon Looney kind of getting a short roll and like pump fake, pump fake, look for a pass, hot potato it to Draymond who, who kicks it back out? I mean, it's probably why for this team to, to, to reach the greater level they're trying to reach, they really need James Wiseman to emerge quicker than possible because that could minimize what you need from Kavon Looney. He's a non-shooter out there. Obviously, Draymond, who's going to be out there almost every minute with Steph, uh, has his own issues. I think Kerr tries to, you know, he's going to rely on Andre. Uh, you know, we're he's in the closing lineup every time now, which I understand why, uh, but Andre isn't a floor spacer he's actually the three actually looks okay early this season but that's not going to help spacing because defenses are going to give him the three and then jta another guy who he's kind of an old reliable type option for steve kerr that he's going to and what you're saying is like we're not seeing like porter and bielitsa like spread lineups where it's like pool curry porter bielitsa which was a lineup they used one time in the preseason and went on like an 8-0 run to close the half like just shooting the hell out of it I just don't think he trusts them both on the floor defensively at the same time. And at his core, Steve's still like defense. You still, see, right? He's still yeah. the You see when I asked him lot yesterday about like the uh the way they're like not calling the Harden fouls, basically. And he's just like loving it. You know, it's just because like he wants like he kinda likes ninety nine, ninety two basketball. <laughs> Which is hilarious. By the way, did you notice did you notice that uh Damian Lee played the entire second, I think it's the entire second quarter and the entire fourth quarter. That's an odd substitution pattern there. Damian Lee's averaging like 30 minutes a game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he is. You know, he is tw- 25. I mean, just who plays whole quarters for Steve Kerr? I guess, I mean, he's with Steph and, and, and uh, well, not even Draymond. He's with Steph now. 
I think that the idea of Damian Lee's sub-pattern was not to close games every night. Like, you know, I think entering the season, their expectation was like Jordan Poole's going to be closing a lot of nights. But Jordan Poole's played himself out of the closing lineup. You know, it's night to night. Jordan Poole did close once this year. It was in Sacramento. And, you know, they were talking afterwards and said it was Jordan Poole's best defensive game ever. And he had 22. That was a good Jordan Poole night. He closed. He's two for three. Good nights. Two good nights. and <laughs> Two for three. five. Two for five. I mean, I two say. and three is what I meant. Two and yeah, three. Yeah. yeah two but and three. the problem is those three are like, yeesh. Yeah, those two were pretty good, though. Like, Yeah, no, no, I agree. They don't, they don't and, win and you know without them. Maybe that, that's the expectation for a 22-year-old who has never had a heavy role and never had the type of responsibility he's had and was a 28th overall pick who has shown flaws despite all of his skills. Maybe it's on me, you, and the machine for pumping him up as much as we did. I mean, on nothing, man. That's, they got to play. We're not, I'm not responsible for how dudes perform. Like, so what? He can't handle the hype. That's on him. I agree. I agree. He's a good player, and they they need him. The bottom line is they need him. They just simply need him, period. If he isn't playing well, they're not going to be that good. Like, that's just the bottom line. They need him to play well, at least until Clay gets there. But I do think, and I said this when, when we made our bold predictions, the best move might be to not start him. Like, it might be to start Damian Lee and get him comfortable in that role like he knows what he's doing that's one thing he's doing he's not doing two things now and then shifting gears and going to all right now i'm the backup point guard and i gotta run the show you know but first i'm starting as a scorer like probably a lot for him at this stage just be a reserve and start damian lee yeah, I mean, that gets Damian Lee out of his rhythm a little bit, but Damian Lee is more comfortable, like, just whatever role. I think Damian Lee with Steph is going to be good no matter what. Like, that's going to be his best situation. I think he likes plugging Damian Lee in some of those lineups that then he'd have to kind of come out of. But I think they're going to want to and probably will give Jordan Poole a little bit of a longer leash. Like, they don't want want to, like, necessarily demote him right now. I mean, you were just saying it, but, like, really, you know, two out of five games he has been good in. Especially because they're four and one. They got a lot of very winnable games coming up. They should have won yesterday despite all of it. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. That's the part that, you know, makes that loss 
you know, I, I get like I get why people are a little bit like you know overreacting to it because five and zero was there, like it was there. They were up. The Grizzlies aren't aren't as good as they look down the stretch, but I mean this was going to happen at some point, right? They weren't gonna they weren't gonna start twelve and zero, <laughs> like that just wasn't gonna happen. But I get it, right? That was a very winnable game, and they're not so good to just be giving away winnable games, but. If you thought they were going to be a two seed anyway, you were probably mistaken. <laughs> I don't know where people was coming from with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Steph had a he framed it well last night, saying we can't be having to win games twice, and that's what happened last night. They won it, and then they gave it away and had to try to go win it again, and and they weren't ready to. And you know, we should mention the turnovers. Of twenty three, I think was the final tally. I'm never the turnover guy, right? I'm never like. To me, I mean, I get it. It's what coaches are supposed to say. It's it's a very easy thing to point to. You know, you start factoring in possession, style of play, freedom, and all, all and all of the things that, like, it's, it's almost just you got to bake it in. To me, the worst part was the type of turnovers. That's what it was. It was unforced. They were unproductive. And they were more lapses than they were aggression. I mean, they literally got an eight-second violation with the game on the line just because Draymond is walking. Yeah, Draymond's just walking up the court. I mean, they did too because nobody's saying, Draymond, get across the line. Well, right? the funny right? thing is if you look at the replay, he's there like calling a play out. Yeah, he's, he's got calling a play. Up, and nobody's, nobody's even saying, looking. Well, yeah, the funny thing hey. is nobody's even looking back at him. I'm like, who, number one, who are you calling this play to right now? Nobody's looking at you. And then, yeah, I mean, like, Iguodala could have turned him in like, dude, get across half court. But that is a that's on Draymond. It's a Draymond turnover, and it's his fault. And he makes a lot of those. Yeah, he's he does. Forcing a pass to Kavon Looney over the top, and it's like, why are you even doing that? Like, and he made a pass last night that was super risky, but it got through, and Wiggins finished it. But it was like, yo, that's a super risky pass this time of game. It's those type of turnovers where they're just forcing me there's not much rhyme if you're driving to the hole you're trying to collapse the defense and they get in there and swipe it those that's just that's part that's the game but some of those turnovers but last night were just like what you're you're literally being like mentally lazy sometimes i feel like it is he's he, he's like this play should turn into a lob over the top and i know it's kevon looney but the smart basketball play with a lob threat center in the nba is to throw the lob and it's like yeah, it, it would be if James Wiseman's out there, but he's not. Um, and then also, you know, like you said, there was like, remember that one he was at the top of the key and he almost like just like rolled the ball to the Grizzlies? Lost the handle, it just went right to him. Yeah. They had a, they had at least five of those where it was like, what, Jordan pulled the the deep throw? Like, uh, I think Steph like threw a pass right into the defender's hand. Like it wasn't even a difficult catch. Draymond had a ridiculous one where he, it was like full Draymond in five seconds where like Jaron Jackson, like spun in the lane. He just rips Jaron Jackson. It was like an unbelievable defensive play, like strips him, contains it, then looks up court and chucks it to John ja Moran. Just throws, just, he just turned around and threw it up. Like, yeah, that was. And then he does, you know, his like exasperated, like, uh-huh. and he's like looking like around. He, he knows it was his cut, fault, yeah. but he was like, ah, 
Look, turnovers are a problem. They need to correct it. Steve Kerr said that they want to be at like 12, 13, and they've only done that once in five games. So it's something to watch. Um, but generally, with Draymond being a topic right now, he looks really good right now. I thought he was like defensive player of the year type Draymond down the stretch last night. I think he finished with five blocks, three steals. How about the one where he uh, – it's it's late. He, he collapses in the lane, tips a pass. It goes over to Jaron Jackson, flies over, blocks the Jaron Jackson jumper. I thought he was like incredible defensively. Oh, man, he turned up so crazy down the end of that game. He just He's the only one who has the ability to do that. That's Draymond, right? The ability to just say, decide, you're not going to score, and I'm going to go get the ball. Like, that. that is what makes Draymond Draymond. It was incredible, man. That, I don't know how he even got to – how does he get to a Jaron Jackson – jumper like how do you get there the dude is all he's it's a quirky shot that he's pushing out in front of him he's already high and Draymond blocks it that to me was probably the best sign and you know I was talking to Nate Duncan about this I mean Ja hit you know uh a big shot at the end he got free on a nice like like a nice crossover move but he only had five points it wasn't like he killed them like last time and it wasn't like you know Memphis was getting what they want on offense. I felt like they got you talking to the, OT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know what the what, you know what the final score in overtime was? Six to three, right? Six to three. Yeah, Damian Damian Lee hit the Warriors' only bucket. But defensively, they were kind of they were pretty locked in. I thought the ability to just throw Andre out there at the end defensively is such a great weapon, and then Draymond locking in the way he did. They were actually pretty good. If I watched the game again, it was it was pretty intense. I don't think the Grizzlies are that great of an offensive team, though. <laughs> so it's not the highest of praise, but they locked in on defense. They, they they should have won that game just by the virtue of how they played on defense. Extremely small sample, obviously, only five games. Um, where do you think right now the Warriors rank defense and offensive rating? They were uh, top in net rating, right? They were topping – no, they, yeah, they were up there for a little while. The Jazz currently have an absurd net rating. They're 4-0. I mean, like, stuff fluctuates like crazy. So after the game, you're saying – Yeah, yeah, like they're, after, they're five games – right game? now, five games in, I'm looking at the rankings. So defensive rating, I'm going to go – I'm going to say they're top 10 defensive rating. Offensive, I don't think they're top 10 offensive. I, w- I would venture to guess offensive, they are 15. It's middle of pack. 14. Yeah. Uh, and you were right on defensive rating. They're seven. It's just like, you know, it's very early trends. And by the way, defensive ratings are down. Offensive ratings are down across the league. It's been actually, I think, I've really liked this start league-wide. You know, obviously, you know, the, 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 the BS foul hunting stuff has been cut out, which has been good to see. But I just think in general, nobody the, games have, <laughs> the games have been good. Uh, the It's not as much like artificial, just like, bloated numbers i've really liked the basketball that's going on but you know we came into the season thinking look they're purposefully juicing up their offense and hurting their defense and and, and it hasn't really trended that way early because you know, steve is still playing defensive lineups <laughs> like he's still playing defensive lineups even though he's saying we got they got more shooters and we we got a little bit more playmaking he's still playing two dudes who can't shoot sometimes three you're playing the grizzlies last night do you think he should go, look, this is like a grind it tough team that... No, I think you got to speed it up. Would you go with a JTA like Andre out there? Or would you say, yeah, let's just go Porter Bielitsa, you know, shoot crazy amount of threes? 
I'd speed it up. You don't like that team, especially as the game get close. All they want to do, like the reason Steph played four thirty two in the fourth quarter, because they come out of that timeout and every time down, Jaws getting the ball and he's just pounding. He's just standing there eating clock because he knows eat clock, get to where I want on the court, and he's gonna be able to limit the number of possessions. That's how they want to do. That's how they got to. That's how they want to play in game. Limiting the number of possessions. Slowing the game down. That's what they want to do. Don't play into their hands. Do the opposite. Like spread about, run. Like get pesky. Get. I would. I wouldn't have minded. Andre was great defensively, but well, that's the problem. When you say spread it out, run, get pesky, that sounds like Andre and JTA. But you know, you go be elite supporter. Those are slower players. Now they're spread it players that that probably help your offensive rating. But you know, you might not just be flying up and down. You're just getting better shots. You're chucking threes. You're trying to you know out yeah, math. Do it. Yeah, do it. you know another stat. We we had all these preseason. Did Bealita even play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bealita, Bealita was good in the first half. Remember he had that one pass to Steph where like Steph was doing the goggles back at him. Um, it was a really nice play, and he had a couple other nice plays. He doesn't seem to trust Bealita in small environments. He seems to like Bealita, you know, against the Lakers, against bigs, yeah. against bigs, where he's spreading the bigs out, and, and then suddenly when the game's small, it's more like Porter, who's essentially a five now. I was mentioning the preseason trends. Jordan Poole hasn't really trended over as much to to the regular season. The offense defense mashup that we were talking about, you know, now it's kind of gone back. And also, guess where they rank in attempted threes per game? Remember, we were talking. I think Calcom was like fifty per game. They got outshot by Memphis. Memphis was like it was like forty eight, thirty eight, or something like hey, that. Hey, this ain't your like, old Memphis. I'm looking right now. Memphis is yeah, eighth Memphis in the league. Jacket. Yeah, Memphis, Memphis is eighth in the league in uh, attempted threes. Their jacket threes. without Dylan Brooks. <laughs> That's what who's like their jacker, which is crazy. But where where let's see, the Warriors what? Thirty seven point four per game. I mean they shot eighty two more threes than opponents in preseason. And like you said, I think it's more games than not so far that their opponent is shooting more threes and yeah, they they probably should shoot more, but you know, it's also a lesson of like preseason basketball is preseason basketball and a lot of the reason they're getting all those wide open threes is because it was like half ass defense. And they're facing that less now. And they're still, what, top five in three-point percentage, at least last time I checked, they were top five. Yeah, they're shooting 37.4%. Uh, they're sixth in, in three-point percentage right now. The Lakers are fifth. That's a surprise. Yeah, they got to shoot more. They got to get more threes up. Anything get, uh, else? Get more threes up, baby. Uh, yeah, GP2. So at what point do, uh, do the GP2 apology tour begin from the – Ask uh, ask the veterans. <laughs> he was great, man. Sacramento, he was awesome. He won them the game. There was Kings people post game that were like, "Yeah, he changed the game." They're kind of starting to peek him into the rotation, like on a nightly basis. I think it's gonna get a lot of run, man. They got. I bet you they throw him on Shea this time on Saturday. You know he's gonna see some Trey, right? Like some of these guys are coming in. Like you're gonna need him. And I, I bet you see more of him just because, like, he's good at that. He's good at applying pressure. And he's not hes not ineffective offensively. He has a thing he can do. He was open for a lob on one of them, and I think Draymond missed him or he couldn't handle it or something. But he finds a way to get to the rim, which they probably could use more of that. I'm, I'm, I'm big on GP, too. And it ain't just because his daddy from Oakland. Yeah, I mean, he gets out in transition. You know, in that Sacramento game, it was like – 
he just raced by Halliburton after Halliburton misses a three. Steph throws it up. He just leaps, catches it, layup. He's a good finisher when he's around the rim. He had an alley-oop finish, um, and he's three for three from three this season. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Like he's not missing? Very JTA-like last year, right? Just out of nowhere, this dude just hitting, hitting threes. Yeah, and it, it it is similar where it's like, you know, Steve keeps not wanting to play him because, you know, you didn't think he'd be here in the pecking order, but he keeps try, kind of trying to force his way onto the court. Uh, he forced his way onto the roster, really. He will play more. And then it. what's crazy about this team, I mean, all these different rotation options create questions where I'm also sitting there last night like, can, can Moses Moody get some run? I mean, like, he's got nine minutes this season total, and he was Good in those nine minutes. He had like two great passes. He had the, the blow by on Davis. Like I'm watching Josh Giddy play 35 minutes a night. I'm watching all these rookies in Oklahoma City and you know league wide. And I, again, I've had this talk with you. Again, I understand why the rotation is what it is. It's hard to find guys like GP two minutes right now. Be elites, all these guys. So I understand why Moses Moody can't get on the floor. But can Moses Moody get on the floor a little bit? Watch when Kaminga gets there. They both gonna be sitting there. <laughs> I would actually understand Kaminga a little bit more now because we know he's gonna be high usage. We know he's probably gonna be detrimental to winning. And and you know Santa Cruz is starting up. Santa Cruz plus minus podcast uh, is starting up pretty Santa soon. Santa Cruz plus minus. Let's go. But I'm sitting there like Moses Moody looks like he could be kind of like a little like glue winning type twelve minute per night player. Those minutes will probably come from Damian Lee. And you just ain't doing that right now. You just ain't you just ain't doing it right now. If he was a yeah, better ball a handler, game. if you could run him at point, you could probably do it. Before you get out of here, I wanted to uh so they're they're five and one and they got seven more games on this homestand. At the end of the homestand, what are they gonna be? I think they got two more losses on the homestand. So that would make them nine and three. Nine and three. Let me go to the exact schedule. I'll tell you where I think the loss are. What well you go what do you think? I mean you asked the question. Yeah, I was thinking they were going to lose two. I thought they would beat Memphis, yeah. I thought they would beat Memphis. But losing to Memphis, I could see two more. So I'm going to go. I think Charlotte's going to be a problem. I think Atlanta's going to be tough. Chicago and the Wolves. Wolves are playing really well. Wolves just beat yeah. Milwaukee in Milwaukee. Anthony Edwards is great. Yeah, Wolves great. are playing well. I'm going to go eight, eight and four. Yeah, I would think the only games that I feel like really comfortable predicting win right now are Thunder Saturday night, particularly because they're coming off the loss. Pelicans. Pelicans, who are just a disaster zone right now. Rockets. And the Rockets. So, yeah. I mean, it's just how many losses between the uh, you know Charlotte, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago. I'm guessing two more. Which, you know, they're still sitting at 9-3, 12 games into the season. And there's this idea that... You know, once you get off the eight-game homestand, well, here comes the gauntlet. Not really. At Charlotte, at Brooklyn, that's tough. But at Cleveland, at Detroit, home against the Raptors, you know, against the Sixers, Blazers. Like, it stays, like, I don't want to say soft, but it stays very winnable for a while. They should have a really good record, you know, a month, a month and a half in. And then we're talking, like, Clay's almost back. Like, Wiseman will be dropped in somewhere. They still have a really good chance to just, like, you know, keep a steady record. I'm going 10-2. and two. They, they, they'll lose to the Hawks. That's it. They're winning the rest of them. Running the table. The Hawks, huh? That's your that's your L? I like the Hawks, bro. The Hawks are good. They look good. But I like Charlotte, too. That's going to be a tough game. That Charlotte's going to be tough. I think they can handle the rest, but the Bulls are interesting. And Minnesota are, is definitely going to be hungry for that. We got a note from uh, yeah, I just got our the, esteemed uh, colleague. Moses Moody has been assigned to son, Santa Cruz. He, I better man, tweet that out, Brian. Somebody is live listening. Like, oh, you you think Moody's playing? 
You think booty? You think we get booty minutes? We'll solve that right, right. now. All right. Well, Marcus, take us out while I tweet this. How does he know that? By the way, that's what I'm curious. Oh, uh, the about. Warriors. Oh, there's they release it. All right. All right, good job, good job. All right, uh, there you go. There's your Warriors Plus Minus podcast. There's your Warriors All 82. Leave my man Slater alone now. Like, man, he, he we, we the podcasts are coming. Like, be patient. They're coming. You can get a, you can get a bunch of us all season. Here's your fix. Until next week, we'll holla at you. Omaha, Omaha. 